This week, as we are celebrating this Palm Sunday, leading away to the crucifixion of Christ and then the resurrection of Christ, we are reminded that upon Him was our iniquities laid. We also need to make this point by way of introduction that the sinfulness of our life, the wickedness of our life, that can be understood to be against God. But even Isaiah says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. As we stand before a righteous and holy God, there is not enough good that we could ever do to possess His righteousness and have His eternal salvation. That's why we sing the songs that we sing about who our Savior is. We stand justified in His righteousness, not in our own. In verse 5, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. We must for a moment consider to remove the pride and admit our guilt and recognize that we are foolish in our sin before a holy God. And yet this is what makes His grace, this is what makes His mercy so amazing in our lives. Because we realize we don't deserve this goodness. We don't deserve the opportunity to repent and find ourselves standing in His righteousness. Therefore, verse 6, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. And when we consider our sin, our air. The blackness of our heart and the decisions that we have made against God. This is what leads us to a revival of hope. This is what leads us to verse 15, our theme verse for the revival. In Psalm 38, verse 15, the word of God says, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. So whether it's like the Sunday school hour when we face the trials of this life and the weight of the enemies of this life, or whether it's like this morning's message when we understand the error and the sin of our way, we are troubled because of our sin. We ought to be in the place of mourning because of our sin, but it's in the Lord we find hope. Why? Because of who He is. Because of His great grace and His great mercy that has been displayed and given to those who will call upon His name. Take God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke and find chapter 7. In the Gospel record of Luke chapter 7, we find a portion of this chapter of which we are giving the title this morning, From Hope Lost to Hope Lifted. From hope lost to hope lifted. And again, our theme verse being, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. And according to the verses we looked at in Psalm 38, we understand that it is our sin that causes us to be dead spiritually before a holy God. In Ephesians, the Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sin. In John chapter 3, right after the very famous verse of the scriptures, the Bible says that he that believeth hath everlasting life. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already. You see, this is why a message like this is so important. Messages like the pastor of this church has preached so many times. Without Jesus, we remain condemned. Without Jesus, we are without hope. Without Jesus, we are dead already in our sins. And as Luke 7 begins to speak to us this morning, we see a simple story of hope that is lost, but then hope that is lifted. Notice what it says in chapter 7, verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. It's by now that we understand Jesus has captured the attention of multitudes of people. And as he's walking on this earth, people are hungry to see what he is going to do next. To hear what he is going to have to say. To understand this Messiah as he is proclaimed on this earth And in our story today, we find some very interesting verses that point out to us that when our hope is lost, our hope can be lifted by Christ. Number one this morning, the condition. Notice in verse 12, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. I want to speak to a moment for a moment to the condition of the man, the man that is on the buyer. That is a form of what we would understand as a casket. But yet from my study it would refer to something that was probably open-faced. You could look upon this body that was once full of life that is now full of death. You see that there is no life in him at all. And this is a time in a person's life where we contemplate how short life really is. I was in Prescott, Arizona at the beginning of this month. And after a message that I preached down there, a man named Stan came up to me and said, Justin, could you share the story of my son with people, especially with young people who think that they have so much life ahead of them? He said, thankfully, my son Michael knew the Lord as his Savior, trusted in Christ as a young man. He committed himself to the Air Force, and he became a fighter jet pilot. And as we heard the news of our son's death that took place in the air as he was shot down, the military has a way of being able to check the records and to see if there was any recording at all that that pilot made before he passed away. And according to what they found, they found no words. They found that that pilot had not enough time to push the record button to even ask for help. The daddy in Stan said, please remind people, especially young people, that we oftentimes think that we will have tomorrow, but that isn't always the case. And at 38 years old, without a moment to say goodbye, that young man went into eternity. 
And Stan would say, praise the Lord, I know I'm going to get to see him one day. But let people know that when they think that they have a lot of time, they don't know when their time will come, their time to pass away. This is an untimely physical death. And the condition of the scriptures is the condition of a man who is no longer full of life, but a man who has faced death. I also want to speak to the one who has lost hope in this life, the mother of this situation. The condition of the mother's heart is the condition of lamenting. She has lost her son. And as we study the scriptures together, we also notice she has already lost her husband. So we see that not only is she weeping because of an untimely death... She is weeping because of so much loss, so much loneliness in this life. And we need to have our hope restored today as we go through the seasons of life that can kind of, if we allow it, it will dictate to us how we respond to God. But very simply, number one, we see the condition of the man and then the condition of the woman in the passage who is lamenting and lonely. I'd like to bring up a second thought, and that is the compassion. Notice the compassion of Christ as he begins to look in that direction. It says in verse 12, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And we can understand that even though they were with her, she was still hurting. In verse 13, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. We are thankful in this passage for the Lord's look of compassion. And maybe this morning we are desiring the Lord to look upon us. Like we read about throughout the scriptures, look upon us. And maybe that would be the heart cry of someone today who is without hope. Maybe the individual here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. You can understand the Lord's look of compassion in your direction. He has not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he today is not looking in your direction to cause you to go further in lost hope. He is looking in your direction to show you that he is the hope of the world. This is a compassion that changes things. Notice what it says in verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion unto her and said unto her, Weep not. This is his love through his look. This is a man who's walking on this earth, but not entirely a man as he is holy God. And as he sees a woman in need, a woman in sorrow, a woman in agony... He does not speak to the dead situation yet. He speaks to the woman who is weeping, the woman who is crying, the woman who is lonely as a widow and has now lost her son. He is speaking to the hope that she can have in this moment. I don't know about you, Pastor, but I have never gone into a hospital and said, why are you crying right now when somebody is crying right now? 
That would be a pretty foolish thing for me to do when somebody is going through so much hurt. But you see, Jesus could speak to that weeping the way that Jesus is speaking to that woman who is weeping because he is the hope and he is the power behind making this situation entirely different than what it is. And we talk about the Lord's look and love and compassion. We know that he had a life that was full of compassion. The Bible says in verse 14 that he came and touched the buyer. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And through the ministry of Christ, we understand the condition of the woman is weeping. She is lamenting. She is in a place of loneliness right now, though so many people are gathered around her. The condition of the man is very obvious. He's lifeless. It's his shell. It's his body. But yet Jesus' compassion was about to display his greatness over life, his authority over life, his ability to do something for someone that would entirely change the story. The compassion of Christ is something that we can't wrap our minds around. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus is about to give a literal illustration to how he is the resurrection and the life. Could you imagine the commotion that would be in our lives if Jesus did that? Which leads us to our third point, the commotion. Notice what it says in verse 14. And he came and touched the buyer. Now, now what would happen if somebody interfered with your funeral procession? In Illinois, there have been times where I've been rather frustrated with how people handle things when it comes down to disrespecting a funeral procession. Because I've been around a daddy who taught me a little bit of respect that way, and I've also seen places where the hearse was passing by, and even the man mowing his yard would get up off of his mower and stand in respect for the deceased and the family who is going through sorrow. Could you imagine Jesus... The commotion that he's about to stir. I mean, he's already spoken up to the woman and caused a little bit of commotion saying, weep not. Well, you and I speaking our mind logically would say, this is a time to weep. Like Ecclesiastes reminds us, it's not always a time of laughter. It's a time of weeping right now. I have every right to weep, and rightly so. She is grieving over the loss of her son, and Jesus comes in, and Jesus says, weep not. But he could say that, because he is the Messiah, he is the Lord of life. Notice in this commotion the timing of it. And he came and touched the buyer. If you go back to verse 11, it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And if you studied the behind the scenes from what I gather, there's a big trip that Jesus takes. He's walking mile after mile to get to this place called Nain, all for the purpose of meeting this particular situation. He sees the situation 
situation as he approaches it, the timing of God, you and I may say, Lord, if you would have been here before he died, kind of like Mary and Martha when Lazarus died, Lord, if you would have been here, he would not have died. Maybe we could have had a response like that. But Jesus, in his timing, is about to show that he is the resurrection and the life. That he has power over death itself. And as we consider the timing of the commotion, we see the touch that caused the commotion. In verse 14, he came and touched the buyer. And what is amazing to me is that they that bear him stood still. And as we consider how Jesus just simply reaches out and touches all of this that represents death, a situation of death, the only direction that this buyer is headed is to the graveyard outside the city. This body is going to go to its resting place, but Jesus stops everything. The people who are carrying the buyer, they stand still. And if for a moment we would let our souls stand still and understand the power of life that Jesus is about to give. Through the spoken word, Jesus is about to display exactly who he is in the talk that changed the commotion. Have you ever had a situation that was entirely sorrowful or sad within the home and then somebody said something and everybody burst out in laughter? And maybe it was a memory that you recalled and it just changed the entire atmosphere. And maybe there's somebody in your family that is known for being that kind of person. They know when to talk and they know when not to talk, but when they talk, it means something. And everything begins to change in your home when that person says something. And yet, when we look at Christ, Christ understands the death. Christ understands the scene. There are wailers with this woman. This funeral dirge, the sound of death as they bring this man's body out of the city. Jesus knows what is going on. It is obvious, but yet he touches the buyer. Everything stands still, and he begins to talk, and this talk changes the commotion. It says in verse 14, he came and touched the buyer, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Let's put ourselves there in our atheistic condition. What is he doing? I don't believe in this kind of power. We could at this moment begin to doubt about this man. This man is a foolish man. He's talking to something that is dead, someone that is deceased. But yet, as Jesus' words go forth, Jesus speaks directly to the young man. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. This is the talk that changed everything that moment. This is the words of Jesus Christ that's about to set a man free from the bondage of death in a literal illustration of something spiritual that can happen for each of us as we call upon the name of the Lord. We notice what it says in verse 15, And he that was dead sat up. And this is where you and I might say in our human minds, Creepy. I mean, could you imagine being there in this very moment of what is taking place? 
that leads to these recorded documents. And, you know, if I wasn't there and if I didn't see this, I don't, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, Jesus spoke these words and that man just sits up. This is God at work in this particular situation. And maybe we would say today, we have a hope that is lost. You know, if you are without Christ today and you look at everything that's weighty in this world, you'll just be driven further and further down into this hole of no hope. But I tell you, when you start to look to Jesus Christ and not only understand that he is your salvation for today, but he is your salvation for tomorrow, that you have everlasting life in him, when you receive him as your savior, that doesn't mean the bad days will be taken away. That just means you understand that you are redeemed. The hope has been restored over what your sin has brought in your life. And now you know that one day you will spend eternity with him because of his compassion. And because of that talk of Christ that has changed your life. Every single one of us who are saved, we heard the word of God that shared with us we were sinners in need of the Savior. And we came to Jesus Christ because like David in Psalm 38, we understood the trouble of our sin. We understood the error of our way. We understood the wrath and rebuke of God. I mean, it's not that we understood fully everything because there's no way to fully comprehend who our God is and His great salvation. But yet we knew that we were sinners. In need of the Savior. And our hope that was lost was lifted by the words of Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we consider the compassion, the commotion, first of all understanding the condition, it leads us to point four, the comfort. Notice what it says in verse 15. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother. You say, preacher, what did the dead man who is now alive say? I have no idea what he said. And obviously, it doesn't matter what he said. But what was mattered is that Christ lifted that hope. And Christ restored this young man to his mother. And that's what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. He reconciled us to God. He gave his life on the cross that we would be saved. And as we have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been a great reunion, a restoration, a bringing to the point of where we should be. And there is a relationship that is now enjoyed that otherwise would not be enjoyed. This says in verse 16, and there came a fear on all. Could you imagine being in that position of listening to the words of Christ and watching this great resurrection? Could you imagine the commotion that would be in your heart? Could you imagine the awe that would be there because you saw Christ do something that no man could ever do? And there came a great fear on all. 
And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him of all these things. It even got back to John the Baptist. As his disciples are like the Lamb of God, the one that you pointed out, this is what he has done in Nain. He took a young man who was deceased, he sat up, he began to speak, and then Jesus delivers him to his mother. The hope that was lost is now a hope that is lifted. The songs of sorrow have now been turned to the songs of joy as a lie. Life has been saved from the situation of death. And so I ask the simple question this morning in this gospel message, do you understand your need for Jesus? There are a couple questions I want to ask as we wrap up the message. The first set of questions is this, are you needing to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? Will you turn your eyes upon Jesus and believe in his salvation? If that's you and you are here with us today, there is no greater thing than we would love to be able to talk with you about than the message of salvation. It's why we celebrate this season as we consider the praise that is to be to Jesus' name. See, he is totally different than any other self-proclaimed little G-God or little G-God that men have made with their hands. He is the one true God that gave his only begotten son for us to be saved. Again, I rehearse and repeat an illustration that I used last time, September 2020. Rachel's grandpa, Norbo, in Alaska. I would go up to Rachel's grandpa... And I would shake his hand, and he would say, Hello, my name is John, and my birthday is March 16th. That's John 3.16. And then he would say the verse John 3.16. That was his way of witnessing to people. As Grandpa would get older and I would go up to see him again, I would meet him and shake his hand, and Grandpa would reintroduce himself. Hello, my name is John, and my birthday is March 16th. That's for God so loved the world that he'd say the entire verse. And then there was that one trip that I had with some of the men in my church, a missions trip to Alaska, and I did not get to go on the missions trip side of it because Rachel's grandpa became very ill and was in the hospital. And so I got to watch some of the great-grandkids. And so one of the opportunities, they let me go up to the room, I went up to the hospital room, and I knelt down by the bed where Grandpa was at, as is my custom to do, and I'd take his hand, and I'd ask him to look at me. In that room, there was a doctor addressing him. There were a couple other nurses there. There were his two children and a couple other visitors and myself as he's lying in the bed. And as I take his hand, Grandpa is speaking a whole lot of gibberish. He's not making sense whatsoever. Some of you understand what that's like when somebody's about to pass away. I said, Grandpa, he looked at me, his eyes met mine. I said, there were many times that we met and you would say, hello, my name is John, as we would shake hands. And my birthday is March 16th. And right when I started quoting, for God so loved the world, he stopped talking gibberish and word for word, verse.
freedom, Grandpa Norbo preached his last gospel message. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And would you know it, right after he was done speaking those words, he went right back to making no sense at all, speaking gibberish. But everyone else in the room was quiet. They listened to Grandpa's last gospel message. So here's my question. Are you listening this morning to the gospel message? Jesus Christ's life was given so that we could have everlasting life if we would believe upon him. The next slide of questions says this. What situation, dear believer, are you facing where hope is lost? Will you turn your eyes upon the God of hope right now? The message was called, From Hope Lost to Hope Lifted. And this morning we are just grateful to know that our God is the God of hope. And we anchor ourselves to him. Psalm thirty-eight, fifteen: For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. Let's ask the Lord for a revival of hope this morning. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we love you. And as we come before you this morning, we ask you for this revival of hope. May we take the time in this invitation to bow our hearts before you and commit our way unto you. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that as these seeds have been planted or watered, that you would give the increase. And we are asking for every believer to place their hope in you concerning life's circumstances and trials. In Jesus' name.